0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're at. We're in the fire. I'm joined by Peter and Justin. How are we doing this morning today? I'm good. doing
1: well. Yep. I have a joke for you guys. Thought oh, let's hear it. Ooh. <laughs> when theologians make s'mores, what is their <laughs> favorite ingredient to use?
2: Mm. Um, the Billy Graham cracker. That's it. <laughs> <Yes. Hey. laughs> I was going Very through the ingredients in my head. Graham, Graham just stuck out to me. So. so.
0: Billy <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I'm a okay. big fan. By the way, have you
2: guys ever um, <clears throat> used peanut butter on your s'mores before? You. I it's am a not a huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game changer. It's one of the the best s'mores I've ever had. Not a huge peanut butter fan, but
1: I do like it with chocolate, so <clears throat> I guess I'll be fine. Graham
2: crackers. Are those peanut butter
1: at all? No, like there's no peanut no. butter in graham crackers. Huh. Okay. Maybe you can make peanut butter graham crackers and then make
0: us one. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I looked up peanut butter graham crackers. All I'm getting are, uh, like the peanut butter, like bars with half chocolate, half peanut butter bar. Mm. Um.
1: Well then, it sounds like we have a great opportunity to something that's not been done before.
0: <laughs> peanut butter flavored graham <laughs> The World will never see exactly. it coming. <laughs> to be fair, they, they
2: do have like peanut butter uh, cereal, peanut butter flavored cereal. Um, yeah, they make so peanut sure butter check very cereal.
0: Yeah,
2: true. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, they make this thing called peanut powder now um Ooh, i've heard a lot of people can use yeah. it in their smoothies um so i'm sure that has a similar flavor you can just use that you could mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think it's um it's less calories than normal peanut butter but like more protein right
2: you're probably getting more protein per serving or uh, per
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah with fewer calories so I, yeah people who are trying to cut back or eat a a lighter, healthier smoothie. Oftentimes, do that if
0: you're trying to get some gains. Yep, That's good too. <laughs>
1: cool. Well, speaking of food,
0: this is a good segue. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, today's topic is, in fact, you know, Jesus's feeding miracles. So, you know, if we had a nickel for every time Jesus fed and a massive amount of people, we would have two nickels, which, you know, isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, yes. More, it's more than one nickel. <laughs> um, there are only two feeding miracles that Jesus performs, um, and each one is very impressive. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that appeals, appears in all four Gospels. That's the feeding of the 4,000 is just in Matthew and Mark. Um, and it's, it's very, I don't know. I really like both of these miracles. Um, and I'm happy to, to be going over, over both of them with you guys this morning. Um, and yeah, so I think we're just going to read both of them right off the bat and then got a few questions and we're just going to dive right into it. Um, who wants to take what? Both of you can, take read, the, the can read. I'll take the four thousand. All right.
2: I will do one better, or do a thousand better. 5,
0: better. <laughs> there you go. We're going to be reading. So be it. <laughs> um, the four thousand from Mark, chapter eight, one through ten, and the five thousand from John, chapter six, one through fifteen. Cool.
1: Well, kick us off from the book of Mark here. 4,000 are fed. By the way, my Bible says also in Matthew 15, 32-38. But we are in Mark 8.
0: (laughs) We are, in fact, in Mark 8. 1-10.
1: In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, set. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of
2: Dominica. (laughs) All right, and now Jesus feeds the 5,000 from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with the disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do jesus or philip answered him 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother said to him there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish but what are they among so many then jesus said make the people sit down now there was much grass in the place so the men sat down in number about five thousand and jesus took the loaves and when he had given Thanks to thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain
0: by himself alone. Amazing. The Word of All God. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, what, uh, jumping back to the 4,000 for a quick sec. Um, what do you, what, what, what is the feeding of the 4,000? Like, what do you think of it? What sticks out to you? What do you notice? <laughs>
1: Well, I think there's plenty. The one, the big thing that I have, and I'll have more on this later, but I want to say a note on it now. Um Actually one verse, but a few notes on the verse is Mark eight verse four. Um, the disciples say, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? So I don't know if this is speaks to the disciples or if this is more of a funny note or what it might be, but um according to what I see the Christ feeds the 5,000 happens before the 4,000 yes um, it's in Mark 6 and then 4,000 Mark 8 so my question is in verse 4 when the disciples say how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness wouldn't they have said like you just did this <laughs> 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 I don't know I don't know because um, they were there at the 5,000 they're here at the 4,000 I think they I'm sure they weren't surprised by what happened next. And actually, they don't seem to be as confused, like in 5,000 uh, Philip answers that they need a bunch of money to go buy bread here. They don't really say that. They, maybe they're a little more expectant that Jesus will do this. But um, And also, they point to the wilderness, which maybe seems a little more like a desolate place, which is interesting, because last time... Um, they were what they were by the sea they were probably by a town so it was actually possible to feed all the people a little more easily here maybe not as much so um, so this is maybe even more impressive to a certain extent um, but also the, the idea of bread in the wilderness seems to be a pretty clear callback the way it is said how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness to when the nation of Israel was wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years and their food supply was the manna that came from heaven, like rained down from heaven onto them uh, from God. And here, manna is kind of like bread. So here we have bread being provided to all these people again in the wilderness again from God in the form of Jesus. Uh, and, And that story with the manna is actually the 16. But the idea of God provides, Jehovah Jireh is, um, we've talked about that on past podcasts, but that stands out pretty clearly in both the miracles, but especially with the idea of the wilderness.
2: Definitely. Yeah. I yeah. like how that was all in that one verse. How can one satisfy you? Oh, there's <laughs> more. There's a lot to there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save
1: more until later.
2: <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Um, something I found interesting, sort of connected to this, uh, to that verse, at least, is the order in six and seven in which the bread and then the fish are distributed. So at first, uh, he took Jesus took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to disciples, set before them, and they set them before the multitude. Um, and then after that, it's they also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So I find it interesting. Jesus only learned that they the have a few small fish, or that the disciples have a few small fish, until after the bread is distributed, which makes me think that this is a sign of uh, them doubting uh, the ability, them doubting that what would happen to the bread if it was all distributed, that there wouldn't be any left. So I feel like disciples may have sort of been hoarding the fish for them, um, mm-hmm. and they sort of waited to see until after all the bread had been distributed successfully to everyone. Then they're like, okay, we also have a few small fish, by the way, Jesus. <laughs> um, so that might, might also go back to verse 4 when they're in that question when they ask, how can one satisfy these people with bread in here in the wilderness? But they may be doubting a little bit. Uh, but then you see they're all fed. And then in verse 8, another thing I found really interesting is that they says, there are seven large baskets of leftover fragments. So not only is everyone fed um, with the fish and the bread, but also, there's tons of leftovers, so I can only imagine the disciples who had gone from hoarding a few small fish for them just in case there's not enough bread uh, for them after everything distributed to now there being leftover fragments, even after everything, everyone has been fed. Um, so as Jesus showing, he can do even more and provide even more than what the disciples could have even imagined um, amid their, their, you know, their fickle selfishness
0: and distrust. Mm-hmm. Uh, something cool to note about the seven large baskets is, uh, and we'll, also the excess the in the 5,000, but the seven large baskets were like as big as a man. They were like huge baskets. <laughs> um, whereas like the, the 12 that were collected in the 5,000 were a little bit smaller, just like normal everyday baskets but these are like big baskets that people would use to carry a lot of stuff in so jesus filled it with a ton of excess yeah um i think it's cool that like jesus was able to like be the a physical provider for for israel in these two instances where just like you just feed the mass amount of people with like nothing um and, like, the crowds speak to, like, Jesus' growing fame and rapport around, like, with, like, Israel at this time. And during the feeding of the 4,000, they're just, like, chilling in the wilderness, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're right. just, they're following That's Jesus exactly because they, they came to hear what he had to say. And Jesus had compassion on them. because Like, they're earnestly seeking him and like they were there for three days i believe and they did not they did not plan on being with him for three days otherwise they Mm. probably would have had food with them Uh, and they recognize like what jesus is preaching is true and they want to hear it and it's it's just so contrary to like anything that people do nowadays where it's like nobody just stops their life for three days without preparing to do so <laughs> you know you gotta take vacation you gotta plan it out you gotta know where you're going these people just like walked into the wilderness because they liked what jesus was saying <laughs> um which is kind of cool and it's like they came to jesus they weren't prepared and jesus was prepared for them um he was able to provide for them another thing to note that Immediately after the feeding of the 4,000, the Pharisees like, approached Jesus, and they're like, we demand a sign <laughs> that <laughs> you are the Messiah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, because it's like, he just fed 4,000 people, <laughs> what more sign do you need? <laughs> and Jesus' response to this is, truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation and he left them, and got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Um, and so he's just like, no, you're not going to get one <laughs> if you're looking for one, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of funny that right after he feeds, like, he does this great miracle that only the Son of God could do. Like they, they question him, and they're like, we need a sign. Which is, yeah, kind of, mm-hmm. just like human nature and not having faith, but wanting to see with our own eyes. But, yeah. So you guys have any? Uh, sorry, last.
1: No, thoughts? I was gonna say I love the points that you brought up from the start of this, like verses one through three, that kind of setting up the context. Which you said reminds me that maybe this was, you know, out in the wild, out in the wilderness. I don't think it mentions like. Specifically, where they are, it says they got into the boat at the end and went to Dolmen Nutha. Uh, I I don't know where that is. I don't know where they are. This other than in the wilderness, so it is kind of weird that this would happen <laughs> in the wilderness. And it, it reminds me when you were talking, Thomas, like almost like this was an awakening of of faith, like. Yeah maybe they were out here for several days and maybe, you know, something was happening. They were listening to Jesus preach during these several days. And these 4,000 people more or less just abandoned their not abandoned, but left for a little bit behind their lives back in whatever towns they were from and just stayed here because they realized that something special was happening. And I think, you know, throughout history, after this, there have been like moments of great awakenings, like in U S American history. You know, There's been a few of them. And, happen in europe where people for whatever reason for a time and i mean we know what reason but spend some time together and actually have these awakenings of faith and that seems to be maybe something that was happening here and maybe that contributes to why jesus has such compassion on these people he he has led this emergence of faith in this in the wilderness and it's time to go i mean he says some people have to walk for days probably to get back to the house and they'll faint <laughs> if they don't get something to eat. I mean, so I think it's just cool that it's almost like they're being rewarded for their faith in following Jesus to this point uh, and being rewarded for their spiritual awakening, kind of. Um, but I think that was a cool point that you mentioned there.
2: Yeah, you. yeah. I mean, this multitude they follow Jesus and Jesus is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have compassion on you. I'm going to reward you and provide for you for following me, for giving up your lives for a few days, for um, potentially putting your, your health on the line for having to walk home three days. Um, and Jesus is like, no, I'm going I'm to provide for you and make sure you're okay uh, because you followed me. Uh, I think that's, isn't. I'm glad you mentioned the Pharisees too. I think that's, in stark contrast to what the Pharisees do. They seek a sign here. And I think that just speaks to the, the hardness of their hearts. Jesus is performing many miracles, but I don't think the Pharisees really, I don't think their hearts are willing to. Um, and then even further on in that chapter, uh, which I just looked over now, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples. Um, and I guess... I don't know when this is, but they're in a boat. And then the disciples, it says in verse 14, now the disciples have forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Um, And then Jesus charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So I don't know if they're talking about beware of the hardness of the hearts of the Pharisees, if that's what that means. But anyways, um, the disciples go on and say, it is because we have no bread. And then Jesus simply calls back, um to the feeding of the five thousand and the four thousand saying uh when i broke the five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets full of fragments or leftovers did you take up they Mm -hmm. said to him 12 also when i broke the seven for the four thousand how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up and then they said seven so he said to them how is it do you not understand um so i think this again the signs are obvious but it's up to you know the heart the individual hearts to be receptive of the signs and say oh yeah this is Jesus this is the Savior whom we can follow and trust um, the Pharisees did not uh, the disciples you know they come around to it um, and they do follow Jesus and then you obviously have the multitude who follows Jesus as well so I think there's a nice uh, nice nice thing going on here where there's
0: a contrast between you know receptive hearts and then hardened hearts as well hmm. I may have misspoke about the Pharisees. They could be the Pharisees are, are in Dalmanutha, but it is still ironic that Jesus comes from the miracle to be questioned with signs because they don't believe his miracles. Um, that's important to note. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, it's good. I don't know where Dalmanutha is. or I mean, I'm sure. Neither
0: do I. But They
1: got some word of what was happening here. Yeah, And this one, he wasn't feeding the 5,000, so... Um my Bible says it was just a few days later that so 5,000, 4,000. So I, I would think these Pharisees, you know, they knew what happened.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
2: I'm sure they're aware of what happened. They may not have been in the crowd and they might not have gotten the bread or fish um, or seen it with their own eyes. But you, you think by now after the miracles that Jesus has performed, that word of mouth <laughs> would spread um, about
0: these wonderful signs that Jesus is doing. Indeed. All right. Do we want to move on over to the the five thousand?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's do it. What uh? What do you think of the five thousand? What sticks out to you?
1: <laughs> Let's get on over there. Uh, I feel bad for Philip.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Verses five through seven. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? So this is. It, this is before the 4,000, so Jesus has not done this miracle before, and I think there's no way that Philip should be expecting him to do this miracle, um, <laughs> but they see the people coming, and Jesus asks him, what shall we, what, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You know, simple enough question, and then Philip's like, well, we're going to need a whole bunch of money to go buy bread, and even that's not going to be enough, <laughs> and I think he's just being logical. And then he has to stand by and watch this miracle happen right in his face. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I feel bad for him. I feel like he was, he was, Jesus set a little trap for him, but he did it in a, in a good way. <laughs> kind of to, to, I think, to awe him even more. So when Philip saw this happen uh, and the other disciples saw it happen, this just shows the magnitude of, of what he did with feeding these 5,000 with Next to nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's funny that Jesus says he set the he said things to Philip to test him, for he knew exactly <laughs> what he would do. Um, it's what we all would do.
1: I mean, yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> so Philip, he he served a good purpose for showing us um, and setting the stage for us of you know what Jesus did for um, what was not possible to even buy with. You know 200 denarii worth of bread or whatnot. <laughs> I wonder how he chose Philip to be the one if he was thinking, um, if there was any reason where he just point, uh, randomly chose out of the 12.
0: It's, I don't know, but <laughs> it's, it's
2: a funny thing to note.
0: It is, and the the 200 denarii, you know, one denarii was uh, a day's wage, and so like 200 is 8 months of wages. Well, just that's like a think lot of, of money. That. <laughs> that's like 75% of your income for the year. That's is, a, yeah, that's a lot. Is not enough to feed <laughs> these people. Um, which makes it that more miraculous too. He's like, where are we going to get the money for this? And Philip's like, there is no, there's no amount of money that will, that will feed them. Um, and Jesus is like, well, you don't have spiritual money, but um, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I really like the feeding of the five thousand. Um, I really like both of them. I think it's just, it's cool. Um, I don't think it's more important but it does highlight some different things. I think like the creative power of Christ. And I think both miracles do that. Um, just that like they're creating new without, and they're creating new and extra food from what they have. And that's, that's enough to satisfy everyone. Um, it's like, he's, he's creating more food as more people need it, which is really cool. um, I like that. There's a, there's a big emphasis of bread, <clears throat> especially in, really in both of them, but also in in this one. And immediately after, um, Jesus walks on the water, and then after that, John talks about the bread of like the bread of life, like Jesus. It's his famous sermon about "I am the bread of life," um, which also, like I, I think, puts this into a little bit more context of. Jesus being the sustainer and provider for us. Um, I think, and that that even relates back to communion of Jesus' this body literally being the bread that he, like he literally told the disciples, this is my body, bread broken for you. And it also, when you think back to the wedding at Cana, um, like where Jesus turned water into wine, another communion element. Um, and that's how he started his ministry. And then this happens a year before Passover when Jesus goes into Jerusalem and is betrayed. So this is a year before his betrayal. And I think that's that's very interesting too. Um, and then coming to the end of this passage when it says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And then perceiving that then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him King. Jesus withdrew to the mountain by himself. And so this, this connects back to Deuteronomy. Um, I think like 18,
2: 18 15. Yeah. <laughs> we love those footnotes,
0: baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just talks about like a prophet that will come speak the word of God and then also like provide for the people of Israel. Um, and they're like, well, this is he, it must be. And, the, and they want to make Jesus King. This is like, it shows that Christ is the King and that they are right and wanting to make him King, but they're not right for, for the right reasons. Mm. Um, he's not, the king that the G that the Jews think he should be, um, they they all they're only thinking of the physical world that they're living in, and they are they're neglecting to think about like the spiritual needs, like repentance and faith, and they want to just have him go in and kick kick the Romans out and then reign, but. Jesus didn't <clears throat> come to do that. He came here to to have a full victory over spiritual death, which gives us the ability to enter into a full physical life, and then even, I mean, an even more full and complete uh, spiritual life. And well, I guess no, because we'll be we'll be physical bodies in eternity, but a more full and complete eternal life, perfect physical bodies.
1: Yeah. I like that a lot because when I read this verse 14 seems to be to me, like they're starting to switch. So in, in past miracles, we read and you see it here too, at the end, it says that Jesus, you know, did not like fully give into these crowds because he could still sense that they were responding more to the physical healing, the physical miracles and the spiritual side of things In a, in a lot of cases. And I think, maybe here we're starting to see a switch where 14 these people say this is truly the prophet who's coming to the world i feel like maybe they're starting to believe but then you go on to verse 15 and it says that but they wanted by force to make him king that's what jesus perceived so i think there's still a little bit of that selfish uh motivation behind this where they want a king and they think that this is it in this physical world um and it's funny, we just read what happens next not too long after, which is the feeding of the 4,000. And if what we hypothesize is correct, maybe there was a little bit there's starting to be that awakening of spiritual growth happening where people are seeing more than just the physical immediate future. And I think maybe 14, there's some rec- people recognizing that you know, he is the prophet who's coming to the world, but they're not fully recognizing the magnitude of what that is. Um, they're still thinking a little bit in the short term uh, to wanting a king and, you know, by force to make him king. And, and it shows that they want it now. And so maybe they're not quite getting there, but I feel like people are starting to respond in a, in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That's just, just my own thought.
2: Yeah, I think we've been able to see the uh, audiences who follow Jesus here sort of grapple with, and the disciples too, sort of grapple with the idea of uh, these two types of miracles. One, you know, in the previous uh, episodes in this series, we've looked at physical healing and then also spiritual healing that comes along with that, which Jesus really wanted to focus on. He didn't want to just be someone who attracted crowds for the physical healing. He wanted to emphasize spiritual healing, but they might not have understood that yet. Um, what that really meant. And then I think here where they're still trying to reconcile exactly what that means, um, with the physical, uh, physical miracle of being fed bread, but also the, the spiritual implications of what bread means. As I mentioned, Jesus says he is the bread of life. Um, later on in John six, verse 26, um, it says, Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the Father, God the Father has set his seal on him. Uh, and then later on, in another verse, it says, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, which again is a callback to the Old Testament. Uh, mm-hmm. We love these Old Testament callbacks. You know, We mentioned the one in Deuteronomy. And then uh, back in the 4,000, Justin, you mentioned how the man that came raining down um, onto the Israelites when they were in the wilderness themselves. So Jesus is saying, that's not Moses that gave you that bread, but my father gives you the true bread, not just that bread, not just the man, but also the true bread from heaven. Um, And then Jesus later goes on to say, he is the bread of life. So he's really trying to emphasize really what the spiritual everlasting bread means. Um, And so it's, Fun to not really fun, but it's interesting to read through the process of you know what maybe these followers who are following Jesus think um, and how they can try to understand what really the miracle, the true miracle of the bread is, um, which is never having to hunger or thirst spiritually again because Jesus is sufficient and provides. Um, So, overall, I really like that, and I think bread is uh, just a great sign of dependency on God it's a great sign whenever we eat anything saying that we can't survive on our own unless we have something else to sustain or nourish us. Uh, physically that's bread, but I think that's a deeper sign of spiritually. Like we can't survive on our own. We're sinful. We're um, not deserving of anything, but Jesus freely says he provides, he'll provide this bread, the spiritual bread, which we need that will sustain us. Um, not just now, but into eternity, which um it's awesome.
0: Yeah. I like, I like that point, Peter, uh, especially because, you know, to make bread, you got to grow grain and then you got to like actually mill it and then turn into flour and then bake it. And like, It takes work. It takes <laughs> work. And you can't do any of that if God doesn't give us rain and God doesn't grow our crops. Hmm. Um, so just like being able to make bread Is a gift from God, especially in like Israel, where they only get like the perfect amount. Like their their average rainfall is like the perfect amount of rain to sustain agriculture, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which leaves them like constantly relying on God to give them enough water, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think
1: that was beautiful.
0: Any last thoughts upon the 5,000
1: 5,000 specifically i don't think so we see again like verse 12 specifically mentions that like gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost like they're getting leftovers here so they're they're taking care of what you know jesus provided all this food but they're not going to let it go to waste Mm. even after it's the people have had their fill which is a cool note on you know us and, and any, it doesn't have to be food, anything. Um, you know, God gives you something, God gives you a talent, God gives you whatever it may be. Don't let it go to waste.
0: Agreed, yeah. And if it's and something when you,
1: small, it's so small as bread.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. When you can frame it as you know, it being a gift from God, you're like, you don't want to let that go to waste because God, He gave you this, it's a gift, like that's awesome, and you're overjoyed by the gift. And you're like, okay, I I want to use this wisely and smartly. And for you guys, since it's, it's all yours. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really cool.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what are some key similarities and differences that you guys notice?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I noticed more similarities and differences, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they're very meaningful similarities. The first of which is actually real quick, both of you mentioned um, kind of the, the, a miracle that we talked about before, Jesus turning water into wine. And I, I feel like this is a similar kind of miracle where we've seen a couple miracles where Jesus heals someone and those kind of feel like one time Jesus touches a person, the per- person's healed physically spiritually it's done um but this is it happens in one moment of time this one and the and the wedding and the water to wine um but it feels like kind of a continuing miracle where like they take wine every they pour the wine the water out and it becomes wine and that just keeps happening and keeps happening and keeps happening and the same thing happens here where they're passing out this food and anytime they need more there's more there Uh, with the wine anytime they need more wine there's more wine there it just continues to happen it happens effortlessly by Jesus and I think it's a perfect picture of that Jehovah Jireh God provides kind of deal um but also I said I'd go back to Mark 8 4 so I'm going to go back to Mark 8 4 um let me flip on back there this is true Mm -hmm. for both miracles but Verse four, his disciple answered him, "How can we satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness?" And I think the the quick answer there is, you can't. You can't satisfy them with just bread. Mm. Um, mm. If you look in in Matthew four at Jesus' temptation by Satan, uh, Jesus quotes, right? So. We'll start at verse three now, when the tempter came to him, he said, "If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread." in verse four, Jesus says, "But he answered and said, "It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I think that's a good this these two miracles are good examples of that. Um, you know he is feeding them with literal bread, yes, um, but you tell me, if you're wandering around in the wilderness." And you have to walk several days back to your house and you're going to faint if you do it. Is a loaf of bread really going to <laughs> uh, really going to get the job done? And I think it's, it's easy to see in these miracles that yes, Jesus creates bread, but there's something more going on. And I think that something more is the idea that you cannot live on just bread alone. And Jesus here is satisfying these people with more than just the bread. That whole act of the miracle is that true satisfaction that comes only from jesus and only from god um so by providing the bread he is providing something much deeper and i think you know the idea you can't live on just bread alone and bread's a big theme we've talked about jesus calls himself the bread of life after you know so i think that's just these miracles are good examples of that
0: you're gonna need some fish (laughs) <laughs> yeah fish too You're gonna need that protein <laughs> um, yeah I think that's a really good point Justin um, there's there's definitely something more going on in these miracles that just brings to, that just brings bread so much more into context for sure um, like Jesus' word is in fact like the spiritual bread that they need and he's also giving them the physical bread. <laughs> he doesn't want them to die. So he's going to give them some protein.
1: And he's um, giving them the gluten-free bread for those who need it.
0: <laughs> snaps.
2: <laughs> That's what the fish are needed for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. <The> gluten-free fish. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, I think it's great. Love everything you just said. Peter. Any closing thoughts?
2: Uh, I can't really say it any better than that, um, than what you guys did. So I'm not going to try. Um, so Yeah, that's that's all I have.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna pray us out. And we're gonna we're gonna get on get on with it. Here we go. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Justin and Peter that we can come here and talk about your food and your miracles and your bread of life and just all of it. Um, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross, Lord, um, that you have not come here just for our physical needs, but you've come here to, to help us with our spiritual needs, to give us spiritual life and and life everlasting through your son, Jesus Christ and a full, uh, physical resurrection Lord. Uh, and just thank you for our listeners that, you know, tune in whenever they feel like it or Hey, maybe weekly, who knows? Um, well, yeah, we just thank you so much for them. That They're just uh, coming along with us on our journey as we as we all try and earnestly seek you, God. Uh, and just please bless our days, our weeks, and our nights as we move forward and, and follow you t- to the ends of the earth. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Peter. Thomas. How Andrew did they get in touch with us? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Two main ways. Instagram uh, at in the fire podcast. That's our handle. Um, we post when an episode comes up and we would love to have some interactions with you guys. DM us, comment, like our post, follow us. Uh, we'd love, uh, we'd love that from you guys. And then if you want to email us and you want to say something longer, or you just prefer that method of communication, you can read us at or you can reach us through the email three in the fire. That's the number three, the letters or the words in the fire at gmail.com three in the fire at gmail.com. Also, um, I don't know what platform you're listening to this on, but if you're on Spotify and I'm sure on other platforms, you can do this. You can follow us. You can uh, set notifications that let you know whenever there's a new episode out and you can also rate us. So we would love that
0: as well. Um, So if you're compelled to do that, Go ahead and do that. Indeed. Justin, any closing thoughts?
1: Got nothing more to add. We'd love a five-star rating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, looks like this is the fire. Signing off.